the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 Tailgate. Lots to get to on a very, very busy Monday. Yeah, we were were right there with you Saturday. We were right there with you Sunday. And while we are, you know, going to leave some room in this show for maybe continued playoff fallout, and yes, if Tom Fernelli is going to write, like, I don't know, 45,000 words on these bowl games, we we are going to absolutely be able to squeeze – Um, A few of those opinions out here. Tom Fernelli's bowl rankings available on CBSSports.com, an annual tradition of the CBS cover to the postseason. He's got them ranked 1 to 42. And so, look, there's there's a lot to get. 41. 42 at the time. That's right. That's where the 42 is. If there had been 42, I don't think I would have died. I think I would have quit. I'm willing to (laughs) rank 41. but That's where you draw the line. Yeah, I'd have been done. First. Before we get to, oh, and coaching carousel. We got a couple of Power 5 jobs that were finalized. We didn't get to in all the playoff mania. Uh, Maybe a couple assistant coaching moves that we are keeping our eye on. But speaking of moves, the news of the day here on a Monday is that, boom, the portal is open, baby. And it is rocking and rolling. Uh, But over at 24-7 Sports, we got, what, seven hours of coverage? I think it's seven hours. I, I was on a meeting this morning at uh, nine Eastern, and that's a Central Time office. So they were they were rocking and rolling, ready to go with that thing. I, I know as soon as we jump off here, we'll be jumping on over to their their YouTube channel, checking it out. And uh, you know, got got a lot of dudes on there: Carl Reed, Chris Hummer, Matt Zenitz, and you know, Paige, Paige jumping on. It's going to be a fun show. Yeah, Transfer Portal Palooza on 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Be sure to check that out all through the day. They're going to give you uh, not just you know the, the big names and the news going in, but just a big picture look at all the moving pieces. And of course, you know one of the biggest headlines that we have from Monday morning is that Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord is going to be portaling. He's going to be heading somewhere else, which has two pieces to this. Number one, a quarterback who you know we were critical of during the 2023 season, but has a set of skills and a level of talent that can make another team better. So what would be a good fit there? But also, now Ryan Day is in the market for a new quarterback um, with other names. You know, Dylan Gabriel is in, uh, Aiden Childs from Oregon, the very talented quarterback from Oregon State. Lots more names to get to. When let's go with the Ohio State of it all first, um, Bud. When you when you think about Ryan Day and you know looking to reshape this offense, looking to get the Buckeyes primed to win the Big Ten after falling short to their biggest rival three years in a row, uh, got we've got to assume that they're going to have a shot at the best available, right? One hundred percent. Like, let's just be really clear about this. Uh, this does not mean that Kyle McCord sucks, right? McCord may end up somewhere and have a good career, maybe even you know make it to the NFL. But nobody willingly leaves the Ohio State quarterback job. That's like the premier quarterback job to have outside of USC. So I do read into this that McCord hits the portal. We talked about this just four days ago, by the way. And you guys liked the video quite a bit. It was one of our largest videos that we've ever done. And by the way, Appreciate y'all getting us up 
top 10 again in the all sports charts. I'm like, hey, that's Big Cat. Hey, that's Rosillo. That's Bill Simmons. That's us. That's a, that's <laughs> okay. Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Dude, yeah. Like, we need Danny or Tom or, well, none of us are really in the dating market. So, uh, if we, we need, we need, some, like, maybe we can get like a, a celebrity best friend, you know, to, just to, to elevate us there to the top five. Sorry. Um, look, Ohio State feels it needs to upgrade a quarterback. McCord is out. I keep hearing that the one guy on the market who teams that feel they're in their window to win would consider really paying up for is Cam Ward. I think what Matt Rule said about the cost of quarterbacks is incorrect, just factually incorrect for the most part. But if there's a guy who is potentially going to cash in like that, it could be a Cam Ward because people do seem to think his skills are are pretty special and better than what is else like what's out there on the rest of the market. What did Matt Rule say? I missed that. He said a good quarterback costs 1.5 to 2 million dollars. And I was thinking maybe to go play at Nebraska, is that that's what I would ask for. But, you know, n- no, there's I think a lot of your top quarterbacks this year got less than that. Mm-hmm. And they're better than what's on the market, you know, right now. But isn't there some supply? I mean, you know, you Yeah. You, you, yeah, like the, the Zillow Zillow's going to tell you what your house is worth, but that's not what your house is worth. Your house is worth whatever somebody's going to pay for it, you know? So I I feel like we've got to apply that same sort of theory when it comes to some of these NIL. There might be some baseline numbers, but you know, a, a, a team that's really desperate might run the price up on somebody or based on your resources, your payroll elsewhere. Um, I feel like it's got to be really tough, especially at the quarterback position, to feel like we can convey an accurate number of what exactly these guys are going to go for. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think a lot of these guys will get somewhere around uh, – one somewhere between 750 and like 11ish probably mm-hmm. a couple might get you know 1213 I, I know Feldman had this the other day I, I I'm paraphrasing him here so not a direct quote sorry Bruce but he's like the personnel guys I talked to says Ward is like the one guy who could approach that 152 number so um yeah like he seems to be the the, the you know the player who personnel guys thinks a difference maker uh, I think Florida State will probably kick the tires there again though what is your window to win? Like, you're not spending two million bucks on a quarterback if you don't think that you have a roster that can win at all, mm-hmm. right? I, personally, I, I think there's you have to match up your spending and timing your window to win. Ohio State probably thinks it has a real window to win because they recruit at a top five level basically every year. You have to think though, like if McCord's entering the portal, and I'm, and I'm guessing the process was Ohio State saying. Hey, we're going to bring in competition this offseason, just so you know. And Kyle McCord being smart enough to be like, okay, they're about to spend a million dollars on a QB. That means it's not really going to be a competition. I need to get the hell out of here. Um, But don't you think that if we've reached this point, Ohio State has to be pretty confident? Because that's the thing. Like, we've talked about this before, too. Most of the time when the big, quote-unquote, surprise name hits the portal, the destination is known already. Like yeah. those guys aren't typically going in and then the bidding starts. It's like that work has been done. That groundwork has been laid. So I do feel like I don't, I don't know if it's Cam Ward, but I do think that if Kyle McCord is in the portal and Ohio State's let him know that somebody's coming in, Ohio State has a pretty good idea of who I, they've got coming in. I think that I would 100% agree with you that Ohio State would have to feel confident that it is upgrading over McCord. I don't think Ohio State feels 100% confident they're getting Cam Ward, right? Like McCord upgrade, yes. Cam Ward, that can't be 100% yet. Auburn is probably a team that I would expect to kick the tires there as well. We don't know what USC is going to do yet. Um, You know, like maybe, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe a current quarterback on the Ohio State roster makes a massive transformation. That's what I, so Armando in the cover three tailgate says, you know, does Ohio state need a transfer? I feel like we have enough depth that one of them has the ability to take that step. A few other, um, a few other friends in the tailgate also mentioning, you know, Lincoln Kineholz, right? right. You know, Devin Brown pushed Kyle McCord for this starting job until he got hurt. So you know, yeah. what, what's your confidence in those other two and, and the rest of that room um, where, you know, from the Ohio State standpoint, maybe you're bringing in competition, but depending on who ends up, you know, being that pick to bring in competition, maybe it doesn't mean that the door is shut on Lincoln or Devin being able to be the starting quarterback for the Buckeyes in 24. 
I would say – oh, go ahead, Tom. No, you go. Confidence that Ohio State feels it can upgrade over, over Kyle McCord. High confidence in that belief. Uh, confidence that maybe somebody on the roster could. Low medium for the for the immediate or for for the coming year. Confidence they're going to get Cam Ward. Kind of low medium. I, I, I think like putting high confidence picks on this stuff, unless the entire industry knows where it gets going. Uh, you know, as was the case with Leonard Notre Dame, although that's not official yet. Uh, and who knows? Maybe it'll still be an ongoing thing has cam uh, ward followed like 85 ohio state players on instagram yet because that was like a dead giveaway for that was a good giveaway it, yeah it, well i thought because you mentioned tom you, there's the do not contact tag and mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm not in the portal like i honestly i, I rely on like chris hummer you know matt zenitz like the 24 yeah. 7 team is just so on it when it comes to the transfer portal and i remember they educated me last off season that when you see that do not contact tag that it's basically it's sealed and mm -hmm. Riley's in there with do not contact. He's following everybody on Instagram. It's like, okay, well, we figured that out. Uh, it, that's not, that's not an available option. Riley Leonard to Ohio state is probably not happening the way that things have fallen. Correct. Yeah. But back to the Ohio state QB room. I, I don't know about kind holes. I've never seen him play. So I can't really speak to that, but just hindsight tells me that based on what we've seen from McCord this year, the quarterback competition went as long as it did, not because both were great options. It was because neither one of them was really truly able to separate from the other one, and they went into the season using both, and had Devin Brown not gotten hurt, there's still a decent chance that he might have emerged as the starter. Although I think, you know, they came out that first game against Indiana, and Brown really didn't play much. So I think it was McCord's job, but I don't, I wouldn't anticipate there being a very high level of confidence in the guys in that QB room because they've seen a lot of them and McCord's in the portal. And if McCord felt like, you know, if, if they weren't interested in bringing somebody in and getting a quote unquote upgrade, I don't think McCord's transferring. The fact that he's transferring tells me that that coaching staff probably doesn't have the highest level of confidence in the guys in that room right now. Not to say they don't think they're good enough, but they think they can do better. And if you look at Ohio State right now, the th thing we've talked about for the, since the end of last season, they have to beat Michigan. They have to win the Big Ten. They can't go into next year crossing their fingers and hoping Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or Kineholtz are the guy. They're in a position where they need to go out and get somebody that they could feel really comfortable in saying, this guy's good enough for us to beat Michigan, this guy's good enough for us to get to the playoff, and this guy's good enough for us to win a national title. And they clearly don't feel that way about anybody in the room. To follow on that, I, I do think there's this temptation for staffs out there to to overvalue certainty, right? Like there's a comfort in knowing that you have a guy who can play a little bit, but to win it all, like you need to be betting on the upside shots, right? You you, you probably need somebody to come in, you know, and, and play extremely well. That who you most times like the best guys come from high school, right? Like transfers are great; mm -hmm. they're oftentimes a band aid. Some of them end up really good. Like most of your best guys are still high school guys, though. So that's because like if they hit, they don't ever hit the portal. You know, coaches communicate to their collective, hey, we need to pay this guy. We need to start paying him now so he doesn't look around. So we encourage that patience and let him develop. But it, it's hard for coaches out there because the pressure to win is immense to actually bet on the guy who hasn't done it before. Like you really got to trust your developmental process and, and trust your eyes that you got something there. If you do have something. I mean, it's, it's, it's a professional sport now. It's yeah. The QB on the rookie deal, the high schooler is more valuable than the free agent QB you sign. For one year. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the, the thing because is, it like, allows you to allocate the rest of your cap around the rest of the roster. Right. You can renegotiate every, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the, how many quarterbacks is too many quarterbacks? Like as you're as you're trying to 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 play this game, because we just saw Ole Miss last cycle bring in Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard, and they also had Jackson Dart. Dart was the starter basically the entire season. We were like, oh my gosh, how is this going to work? And literally, the incumbent just stuck around. Can you even do? Like, can can programs be able to do that? I'll ask you this, Chip. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Do you think Ole Miss wishes it would have used that money in a little couple different spots? Like defense? Yeah. 
Do you think maybe they wish they could have gotten a couple maybe defensive backs or defensive yeah, linemen instead of three quarterbacks? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we talked about it. Like, wh- what's your window to win? What's your budget? Can you hold on to two guys for one more year? I guess if you think like the – if you really have that belief in the ultimate ceiling of the younger guy, but you need to keep the older guy around because you, you don't think the younger guy is quite ready, then, then perhaps. But, you know, like look at Kansas State, right? Can they afford to keep Howard and Johnson on the roster? Can they afford to keep them on the roster and keep them both happy? Look at Oklahoma, right? There's like, can you afford to keep Gabriel and Arnold? Gabriel hit the portal today. Like that was not unsurprising. We talked about how he was probably going to be pushed out there because they want to go with Arnold, right? I mean, Gabriel's a nice player, but again, you're probably not winning the national title with Dylan Gabriel. He's more like a good college guy, not like a real high-end guy. So they want to bet on the upside of Arnold. If they really, I think some teams can probably keep him for one more year, but it's hard to spend that much of your money on the quarterback room. Well, all right, how about this? Can we stick with Dylan Gabriel? Because there's yeah. a very simple math and assumption, which could be wrong, but you're going to say Jeff Lebby was with Dylan Gabriel at UCF, and he was with Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. And when he is named the head coach at Mississippi State, well, I'm sure Dylan Gabriel could go to Mississippi State. And that would just be a way to continue rocking and rolling in the offense that has allowed you to be very, very prolific among the most prolific quarterbacks in college football. But that does not get you anywhere close to a national championship. And you said, can Dylan Gabriel win a national championship? Are there going to be, how about this? Are there going to be top 10, top 15 caliber teams that are interested in Dylan Gabriel where he would go have a better shot to win let's just say, to compete for championships. Maybe not the Natty, but to compete for championships. Here, here's how you could phrase it. Are there at-large quality teams? I was, I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this, mm-hmm. new, this new world we're talking about. Because mm-hmm. you just heard me say it. I was like, top 10 to top 15. What am I saying? A team that could get a ticket to the 12-team playoff. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, if I'm Oregon, I'm considering Dylan Gabriel. Right. If I don't think Ty Thompson is ready or if I don't think Ty Thompson is the goods, that's an offense that gets the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, relies on accuracy, does not rely on arm strength, which is a knock on Gabriel. Yeah, I, I think that could be a good fit. If you're Dan Lanning, like you want to have a nice first year in the Big Ten. You want to find a way you know, to continue to win 9, 10, 11, 12 ballgames. Maybe if Michigan takes a big, big step back and um, you know, maybe if Ohio State doesn't hit on the quarterback and maybe if Penn state uh, is, is the Cottle Nicky higher? Is that, is that official yet? Did, did that go through? Don't know New if it's officially announced, but it's, I know there's a lot of rumors about it out there. Um, I mean, considering Kansas has elevated other coaches on the staff to different roles. Okay. already, I think, I think we know what's coming. Yeah. I, I thought I saw it announced, but I, I, I don't want to going to coach the bowl game. Do you think? I doubt probably it. not. It, Man, I was thinking, Oh, never mind. We can talk about that. I think Penn, <laughs> I think Penn state Ole Miss, like that is a, that might be one of those New Year's Six bowl games or high-profile bowl games where if you're James Franklin and you just you know keep butting your heads against Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State and Michigan, you do a lot of good for sort of the vibes and fan base by beating an SEC team in a big bowl game for win number 11. And on the flip side, don't let Lane cook you, you know? How much, does Mississippi, how much should Mississippi State pay for Gabriel if they think he can get him to a bowl game? Like we, we, we talk, check, take the checks, take the losses with teams. But if you're Gabriel, like, can you get a really nice payday from Mississippi State? Mm-hmm. But that, that's the other thing, too. Like, that's what Gabriel, I think, needs to consider is that there's a reason he's still in college. Yeah. And he might, this might be his best chance at an actual big payday. But if he wants to play in the NFL, is he better off trying out a different offense? Because here's like Bo Nix did not really have an NFL kind of, I mean, he would have probably been drafted, but he didn't really have an NFL quote unquote future while he was at Auburn playing the way he was playing. Now he's gone to Oregon and by and large, he's really not any different than the guy who was at Auburn. He's just in an offense that has been much better suited to his skills. And he's probably going to get drafted this year. Not like a first rounder, but he'll get taken and he'll get a chance. So if you're Gabriel and you've been playing in this same offense your entire career, 
might it not be better for your growth to go somewhere else? Kind of like what Sam Hartman did by going to Notre Dame, getting out of the quote unquote, you know, the, the slow mesh, going to prove I could play in a different kind of more pro style offense. So th- these are the things Gabriel needs to consider. Does he want just to get the big payday, which he could definitely get, I think, from Mississippi State and just go somewhere where he's already comfortable? Or does he want to go somewhere maybe for a little less money, but a higher national profile that could maybe improve his draft stock and his chances of playing professionally? Aiden Childs, the very talented quarterback from Oregon State, has hit the portal. Um, Again, there's a very simple math that you could do where you say, hello, Jonathan Smith's now the head coach at Michigan State. Wonder if that's where he's going to go. Or you might have better options than Michigan State. Um, There also is, but is Walter, Texas A&M defensive lineman Walter Nolan, former five-star prospect, somebody who really came on as a dominant player this year. Would you say that's the top defensive option or or most coveted defensive talent in the transfer portal right now unless somebody's jumped in in the last 20 minutes because i'm trying not to do like the watch twitter thing during the show so i'm more engaged because i'm also watching the chat yes as of this moment yeah walter nolan is a ready-made impact defensive lineman like there's not a lot of guesswork there the guy is a stud He'll he'll get a huge bag wherever he goes from the top. Yeah, like every, and if he stays healthy, yeah, it'll be like when Walter Nolan was a recruit and all the big boys were there, ready to you know pull it together so, for him. And now it's it's going to happen again. Cash in twice. Good for you, Walter. So which SEC team is he going to end up at? Georgia, Alabama, Texas. <laughs> I I think maybe another orange team. Maybe Tennessee. Syracuse. Oh, oh, Tennessee. Good job for I was going to say Clemson. I, for, I just I had a brain aneurysm. There was like, what? The Clemson Tigers are going to go get Walter Nolan. Um, the the team in Knoxville. There, like they recruited them hard the first time. I don't know. I, I really I don't have a crystal ball pick in for that one. But I would. Eh, I won't say it. Jordan's not here. I'm not going to kick him while he's gone. <laughs> I was going to say the Texas and Tennessee. Is that is that an upgrade? Uh, I. Texas A&M's lost a lot. Mike Elko is walking into a situation where it does seem like the outdoor is being used, and that that might I'm be. Just un- saying, I- if I'm Walter Nolan and I'm, I'm I I can probably go anywhere I damn well please. So it's like, I mean, maybe he just wants to be closer to home. But if I can get a bag and go play for a team that could, you know, maybe win a national title, it just it would be weird for me to go to Tennessee. But okay, whatever he wants. When we did the show over the summer that had some of the guys that run collectives, like. I tried to pick ones that have like good reputations, you know, and, and Tennessee's has a really good reputation. So the opportunities at Tennessee, especially because you're from there, uh, I think could be pretty significant. But like if you're Oklahoma, guess what? You need a D tackle. Texas, yeah. you're going to lose what? Sweat and Campbell? Mm-hmm. Is or, Murphy gone too? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's going to be a, a, a position of need for those schools. Yeah. We'll be very listen. Miami might need four defensive tackles in the transfer portal. Leonard Taylor, uh, I read it the other day. Well, he's going to go pro, right? Who? Leonard Taylor, Taylor going pro? Yeah. yeah, but like they might need a lot of guys in the portal um, at that position. Walter Nolan's going to be a coveted prospect, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would not uh, use the do not contact tag. I'm like, contact me, run it up. <laughs> that's, Actually, I'd be uh, like, call my agent, not me. I got yeah, shit right, to do. Yeah. <laughs> business inquiries for uh, for for the cover three tailgate. Someone did mention, and it is worth saying. Yes, some of these players that enter their name into the transfer portal, they do have the option to come back. Yeah, it could be a negotiating tactic with your current situation. So. We're not re- we're not automatically taking a player like Walter Nolan and sending him off. However, the I'm staying, you know, Instagram graphics pop up a lot more than please respect a lot less than please respect my decision. There's some advice out there that is really, really smart advice if you're an elite, elite player and really bad advice for almost everybody else. Right. The whole like, hey, jump in the portal. You can always come back. You'll, you'll mm-hmm. get a real feel for your market value. That's really good advice if you're like a legitimate draftable prospect. If you are not, if you're a guy that like gets fringe playing time, that's not really good advice. Because Yeah, your coach is going to be furious. Well, also the school can be like, yeah, I guess what? We're pulling your scholarship. Oh, like, really? They don't have to let you back. Mm-hmm. In fact, as soon as you hit the portal, they can pull aid that day. Whoa, I'm glad so, you said that. I don't think that gets talked about a lot. 
Yeah, I, I see a lot of these these experts on Twitter like, oh, everybody should jump in the portal to gauge your market value. But that is not true. Okay. Like the, you've the got that si- you've got that you you basically forfeit yeah. the your side of the signed agreement. Yes. Mm. Yeah, they can put they they can and like there are schools out there that are certainly portal and pull. Mm-hmm. You know? Like in baseball, we talk about uh, file and trial. They, they don't even negotiate for the for the uh, the arbitration years. They just cool. We're going right to arb. You know, we talk we talk about you know culture for a program, and it's obviously it's important. But sometimes part of that culture is you're in or you're out, and the second you step out, you're gone. You're not part of the culture anymore. I mean, like there are notable examples of this. You know, of guys who hit the portal probably didn't get the kind of stuff they were looking for, wanted to come back, and the school's like, no. We're good, man. Mm. This that that's kind of like like what I was saying when we talked about it earlier. It's like feels like there's more quarterbacks in the portal every year than there are available jobs. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. All right, so the portal is open today for everybody. If you've not used your one ter- one time transfer, then you get to go and you don't have to sit out, and that's open for everybody. Grad. Uh, grad transfers also eligible immediately. Uh, they have been able to do it at any time. So now we are rocking and rolling and the portal will be open till January 15th. We are not going to spend 25 minutes of every show between now and January 15th. We have other things that we have yeah, to 15, do. 20. <laughs> like, yeah. but, but I will say that like our partners at 24 seven sports are just on top of it. They are the best in the industry. They are the resource that, that we use in addition to, you know, connections across all these different programs. And, you know, when we are going to give you updates uh, as they are significant. So uh, check out 24 seven sports on their YouTube channel. They have a seven hour show rocking and rolling today, uh, giving you the lay of the land for the transfer portal. Coming up on the other side, Houston, has a new head coach, few other coaching carousel mo- moves, and more headlines. Plus, later on, Tom's Bowl rankings. Next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And even though we were just totally consumed by Conference Championship Weekend and the college football playoff, we do have some new moves to update you from the coaching carousel. Willie Fritz officially announced as the new head coach at Houston. Uh, this comes, you know, the as as we mentioned, news breaks basically during stretches of the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Uh, something that you know, w- Fr- Willie Fritz's camp must have been working on a lot. They were holding it off till after the championship game. So now championship game's done. Willie Fritz era at Houston begins. Tom, you have been a champion of the 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 Willie Fritz as a candidate. Mm-hmm. You have mentioned him for a lot of different jobs over the last two hiring cycles. Two yes. hiring cycles. I was oh. trying to get him in Illinois like eight years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, he lands with Houston. What are your thoughts on uh, on the fit? I I think it's uh it's the reaction to it is a surprise from a lot of people, I think, in that some people aren't under totally understand why he would leave Tulane for Houston. But 
I think if you're Willie Fritz, he's reached a point in his career where it's the last thing that he has to check off because he's coached at pretty much every level and succeeded. And he got to the FBS level. He took a G5 job at Tulane, got to a Cotton Bowl, won it, nearly won another conference title this year. And he probably feels like he's proven his point at that level. And now he's got a shot at a Power 5 gig. And if you look at Houston and you could say, well, there's a lot of work there to be done. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done at Tulane when he got there. There's a lot of work to been done at a lot of places when Willie Fritz got there and he did the work. This is just kind of what he does. So I am not shocked that he's taking this job. I I don't know if it's going to work out as well. I, I have confidence in it because I think Willie Fritz is a terrific coach and he has been for a very long time. And when you look at the Big 12, I mean, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, it's it's anybody's game now. Like there's there's no doubt. Like Houston, if you look at the interest in that program and the resources that some of the boosters are willing to put into that program, they have a shot to compete in the Big Twelve in years to come. They have a shot to be one of the top programs in the league. And they think Willie Fritz, who has built a lot of programs up into that you know kind of mold, is the guy to do it. So I think it makes a lot of sense for Houston, and I think it makes plenty of sense for Willie Fritz if you understand where he's coming from. I love this hire for for Houston, man. I mean, now, Tom, finish the line. I love this hire. I have no idea if it will work out. Right. (laughs) Here's all the reasons why I I, I really like it, okay? I kind of have this thing where if you're a really good coach at multiple schools and, like, you maximize all the schools that you've been to, there's probably something to that. Like, you're probably a really competent person who goes in with a plan, knows what the hell they're doing, understands where they're at, what kind of resources they have, what you can get done at that school. Tulane has made five bowl games in a row, you know, and and has either won or contended for the American a bunch of years in a row, with the exception of 2021, which kind of screws his record. But if we recall, what happened in 2021? Oh, that's right. New Orleans got rocked by a hurricane, and Tulane mm-hmm. had to play living in, in a hotel in what Birmingham, I think it was, or, or Mobile, like one of the two. Uh, like they, they, their season was basically just uh, like like a, I don't know, a, a barnstorming type team that year. It wasn't a real season. If you look at his last five non, you know, campus underwater seasons, they're awesome by Tulane standards. We talk about a lot of times, like, hey, look at these guys that win at the lower level: Chris Kleiman, Lance Leipold, Kalen DeBoer. You know what? Willie Fritz went to the uh, the national championship two years in a row at that level. He also mm-hmm. had another deep run in the playoffs there when he was at Sam Houston. Like they have they have a system that they understand how to run. They recruit to it. Like they know what the hell they're doing. They're really good with personnel. He's made good hires. Like he's I, he went out like they needed the new DC this year. Do you know who he got? Troy's DC. Like they, I think they follow the sport. They make good hires. If Houston's administration is not a, uh, you know, if if they're not a cluster, then I think we do well there. Yeah, (laughs) that's an if. That's the one. But the the other aspect of this too is you know like Pratt's leaving. Like Pratt's going to the NFL. This might. I think that if Fritz stayed at Tulane, he'd be able to rebuild it, and they'd still be one of the better programs in that league. But this could be the crust of the green wave. You know. So it, it could be the opportune time yeah. for him to jump. The Big Twelve, the Big Twelve is losing Texas and Oklahoma, and certainly in the wake of the college football playoff, it does seem like the Power Two world is really starting to arrive. Um, but the Big Twelve is on a different tier than the American Athletic Conference, and the gap between those two conferences this year, you know, has has been exposed. I think Willie Fritz is looking at. I don't know how much longer he wants to coach. But I do think that if he wants to try to test himself at, at the highest of levels, he he had to go. And this is at least an opportunity to to level up uh, because the conference he was in has has gotten weaker as some of those teams have gone to where the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is a market inefficiency to be exploited by the schools that are, I would say, like jobs that are not top 30 jobs, but they're sort of in that like, I don't know, 40 to 70 range. There are really good 60-year-old coaches out there, right? Indiana just hired one. Willie Fritz is 63. A lot of these ADs have have this dream of, all right, I'm going to get Kirby Smart. He's going to coach here for, for 25 years and be a dominant thing, like a guy i will never leave. David Tepper over here. Yeah, like there's a lot of these dudes 
who won't take some of these lower power five jobs because they know the overwhelming odds are they get fired and they have to move their family in three years again. You know, like if Willie Fritz does a good job, you can hold on to him for like 10 years. He doesn't really show any signs of slowing down. I, I think Indiana did the same thing. Like they, I think they're being really smart and exploiting what may be a market inefficiency in terms of a little bit of bias against some of the older coaches out there, especially when the good young coaches don't want your job because they don't think they can use it as a stepping stone. Did we mention Signetti on the show? Oh, I, 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 just, so. I, I just put it in. Uh, we, we've got Jake Hale for helping us out here. I really appreciate it, Jake. I, I just had to throw it in the rundown. Um, yeah, Indiana hires Kurt Signetti from James Madison. We haven't even gotten a chance to to mention it yet. Um, what, like, but Bud, you just said you think it was a really good hire. Um, what we we heard from uh, your deft reporting, or maybe it was Zach's reporting that. There's some financial investment that's coming right here. So what what are the expectations? Um, do, does this fall, fall in line with your thought that there's some real investment in Indiana football? Yeah, I, I think that uh, Indiana is committed to not being like the worst team in the Big Ten. Kurt Signetti will not let that team be the worst no. team in the Big Ten. Yeah, no. like, I expect them to be competent, right? Not awesome, but should they be large underdogs to Maryland every year? I don't nope. think so if you're running at, at closer to peak efficiency. And I I don't know, just hiring guys who have good track records, who want your job, who are going to take it, appreciate the job. Like Kirk Signetti is not constantly thinking, hey, I, I need to use the stepping stone job to get Alabama. He's what, 63? Mm-hmm. You can get 10 good years out of these guys. Everybody out there in America should sign up for like a nice decade of program football <laughs> considering – you know, how many times you got to fire guys after just three or four years. I, and you're right about the moving family. I mean, the, the kids are grown, right? Yeah, we're not right. We're not as concerned about that stuff. We're, we're going to come. We're going to settle in, and we're going to be a part of the community. You're not going to be stressed out about anything else other than trying to provide winning football for your university. Like, I guarantee there's a lot of good young coaches who don't want the Indiana job because they see it as, as, a, as a dead-end job. Mm-hmm. You know? Signetti can go to the thing where he's an absolute pain in the ass to most of the Big Ten teams they play because they're going to be – Really hard nose, discipline. They're, they're gonna, you know, they're not gonna beat themselves. Right. Like the, the, yeah. the James James Madison so teams much. did not beat themselves. And he could be bringing McLeod with him because McLeod entered the portal shortly after Signetti yeah. took the job. So, yeah, Signetti's another one. He's won everywhere. Like he even when he took over James Madison while they were still you know in the FCS, they had had a few down years, and he got it turned around real quick. He was winning at Elon. He was winning. You know, he got Elon to the playoff in back to back seasons. Like this is not. I mean, I know we don't talk much FCS. That's not that's not commonplace. Yeah. So, like, he's ta- he's he's been in this situation before. He's Indiana is putting money into the program, and I do think, like, we've talked about it on the show. I wrote about it a couple weeks ago. You have to now. You can't just be the team at the bottom of the, these leagues, bringing in all this money and not invest and think that eventually they won't get rid of your ass if you're not pulling your weight. And I think Indiana is ahead of the curve on that. They realize we don't have to compete for Big Ten titles, but we need to start spending like we're trying to. And I think now you've hired a good coach who will, at a minimum, at least have you competing for bowl games every single season. It is going to be so much more difficult to get to a bowl game in these new leagues. So it's it sounds weird now to say, hey, we're just going to try to get to a bowl game once in a while. But that's going to be reality for a lot of these programs. And Signetti is a great person to bring in to do that and possibly earn more because this is a man that is used to winning everywhere he's gone. And if he does win, like you're saying, but he's probably not going to job hop to a quote unquote bigger job. So when he shows up at the Indiana basketball game saying like Purdue sucks. Ohio State sucks. Michigan sucks. He's planning to be there for a while. You don't just show up and start screaming that stuff. I, I do have a, a proposal on bowl games, by the way. If it's going to be okay for the committee to pull the absolute bullshit that it did and leave Florida State out, why the hell are we sticking to this idea of having to earn your way into bowl games? The bowl games should be able to pick whoever the heck they want to play from your conference to be in there, right? Like They shouldn't be stuck having to take this school just because this school had a good year, if that school is going to have a million opt-outs and their fans have no interest in coming, right? Like that's well, The bowl games are less consequential than the playoff. If we're pulling this nonsense with the playoff, shouldn't we redo how we select the bowls? Did I have – Bowl once Georgia and Florida State? 
Do you think – I don't know. I, I haven't looked at their matchups. Tom, like, how different would your bowl rankings be that you just did? I know we're going to get to. If if you like, if you're one of these big bowls, you call the conference. Hey, yeah. which of your teams actually want to play this? See, this, is, this is why I think – I mean, I have this column. I have it filed for an off-season type of thing. I'm going to dive deeper into this. My suspicion is that the bowl season is on borrowed time. I think that the expanded playoff is going to just kind of kill it off for good in that I just don't know how much I, – I feel like there's going to be so little interest in a lot of these games that they're going to have to start cutting them down soon just because they won't – need. I mean, the reason they exist is to fill four hours of programming on like a Tuesday afternoon in December. Is James Madison e and e Jacksonville State – we're not supposed to be bowl eligible. And we spent all year kicking and screaming and lawyers filed NCAA appeals and they're in bowl games. Why? Because there weren't enough bowl eligible teams. Yeah, there's too many games. So I don't I, I don't want to I don't want that clipped out of context. I will watch every there could be 80 bowl games. I will watch them. But the reality is from the business model perspective, there's too many games. I'm only going to watch bowl games I bet on, which means I will probably be watching about 30 bowl games. Yeah. I'm going to watch I'm going to watch bowl games I bet on, which means I will be watching 41 bowl games. <laughs> Speaking of, coming up on the other side, Tom has ranked every daggum bowl game and he has written a lot of words about them. So let's dive a little bit deeper. The best matchups, the worst matchup, places of intrigue We'll get into Tom's Bowl rankings next. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, uh, just jumped into the file in the uh, in the tunnels of CBSSports.com. An editor got a hold of this at 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So good luck, three. Jack, as you <laughs> continue to sift through 8,517 words. Which so, is actually... I shortened it up a little bit this year. <laughs> it's normally around 10,000. So from the famous Toastery Bowl, which is a matchup of Western Kentucky and ODU in Charlotte, North Carolina, on a Monday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time in Jerry Richardson Stadium, which is where the Charlotte 49ers play, which checks in at number 41, all the way to... Yeah, not a big shocker here. The Rose Bowl between Michigan and Alabama at number one. Every single one of them are ranked. I will just do the very top quickly. Rose at one. Sugar Bowl, which is Washington and Texas at two. Orange Bowl, Florida State, Georgia at three. Penn State, Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl at four. Oklahoma, Arizona in the Alamo Bowl at five. Ohio State, Missouri in the Cotton Bowl at six. James Madison and Air Force and the Armed Forces at seven. Notre Dame, Oregon State, the Sun Bowl on... CBS at eight, uh, Louisville, USC in the Holiday Bowl at nine, and then Auburn, Maryland in Nashville in the Music City Bowl at 10. Uh, let's start with Florida State and Georgia in the Orange Bowl at number three. Because there's, there, you know, that there could be a counter here, right? Mm -hmm. You've got a, a team in Georgia, which, uh, as, as usual, has a ton of NFL draft eligible players who could be going pro. And the fact that they're not competing for a national championship might mean that they could opt out. I've, I've got some, some thoughts on that as well. You've also got a Florida state team. That's incredibly disappointed and also might have a similar situation. So what, what's the hook in your mind about the orange bowl uh, still holding a lot of intrigue because Florida state, Georgia in the orange bowl, take me back to, Take me back to 1996, you know, take me back to 1989. You know, there, there's a lot of different times where this makes total sense as one of the most highly anticipated postseason games on the schedule. What about this year still has it ranking highly for you? Well, I have to explain the process a little bit here first. Like okay. For the pre-bowl rankings, I can't – there are going to be opt-outs. There are going to be transfers. So – I can't predict everybody who will opt out or who will enter the transfer portal before these games are played because I got to get this thing turned around and transfer portal doesn't open until today. And there will be more players entering as we go along and draft announcements, blah, blah, blah. So I try to approach it from the game ceiling. Like I, there are certain people I know will not play in games. Like I can highly anticipate like quarterbacks and top draft picks. who are going to sit these games out and that does impact it a little bit, but for the most part, 
I approach the game as what their ceiling is if everything plays to its full potential. And this game is at number three because these are the two teams that have the most right to be pissed off. Like, obviously, Florida State's got the best case, but Georgia still has a pretty good case, too, because if you're Georgia and you're sitting there and everybody's like, well, they did the right thing because they put the best teams in, Georgia's like, did they? Because if we're putting the best teams in, I should probably be in there. And if you're Florida State, you're like, we are literally an undefeated Power 5 champion who did everything we were told that you have to do to get into the playoff, and you left us out anyway because you wanted to put Alabama in, and there's really nothing else to it other than that. So there's a shot here for both of these teams to just kind of, you know, get a huge win. And if you're Florida State, like, you beat Georgia. National champion. You can claim your national title. And you know what? If you beat them well enough, and depending on who wins the actual playoff, you might get one of the human polls to agree with you. So – there is something for the Seminoles to play for here, and there's something for Georgia to play for here. Now, do I anticipate that we're going to see two full-strength teams? No. But if we do, you could argue this is the best bowl game of them all. Oh, if they're both full-strength, yeah. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I, that That is an impossible task that you, you, you're tasked with there. Like, that's... Yeah. Uh, Chip is slacking me the text. It's too many words. I just I don't have I, I don't have prism access, so I can't see Hold drafts. On. I'll just here. Let me see. All right, I'll, I'll share with you a document. Okay. The um, Ohio State Missouri is a very very interesting game because Missouri has been a pain in the ass for every single team that it has played, and Ohio State. Will not, excuse me, not reporting. This is all speculation. Guys, I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to play in that game. I I know, I know, I know, I know. Shocking as it may seem. Emeka Buka might not play in that game. Clearly, Kyle McCord's not going to play in that game. Travion Henderson might not play in that game. Um, You know, that's... Uh, that is one of those spots where if you are Eli Drinkwitz, and we talk a lot about you know the ceiling and floor of a team and, and a program, if you can win 11 games and beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, that is uh, an awesome season for Missouri football in the Eli Drinkwitz era. I expect that the Tigers will be keyed up for that game, and they will be treating it will be that it will be their playoff game. Missouri was never in the college football playoff hunt, but when we're looking for motivations of these one loss and two loss teams, uh, or even you know maybe a nine and three team that has stumbled a little bit down the stretch, Ohio State will be embarrassed if it loses to Missouri because an Ohio State fan is like, we lost to Missouri, mm-hmm. and Missouri is going to be fired up if it can beat Ohio State. I I kind of like those. Um, when whenever we have that contrast of styles in a bowl game, that's always one that's going to get my attention. Uh, I expect Eli will have uh, have the boys fired up. That's that's one that I, I'm very much looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Did I, McCord I, play? No, no. Well, I don't think so either. But like, just as a cautionary tale, there was a game last year, or the year before, where Western Kentucky's quarterback hit the portal, and and the line went nuts. And they still played him. Like certain schools will let the quarterback in the portal play. So you can't really. I think you're directionally correct if you assume all portal players don't play, but it's not a hundred percent thing. Like you are allowed to play, even if you hit the portal. By rule, like uh, now the school has to say, yeah, that's cool, because a lot of schools would be like, yeah, because we just talked about this. This, yeah, new, yeah the idea that a school would be like, oh, you're hitting the portal. All right, awesome, I've got a scholarship. Yeah, yeah I, I. Like there are some great receivers in this game. How many of them play in the game? We'll find out. But as you touched on, Chip, Mizzou's got all the motivation in the world because this is a chance for Missouri to beat Ohio State. And yeah. Say we beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. So hell yeah. And if you're Ohio State, you don't want to end your season with back-to-back losses to Michigan, and then what you know would would get spun narratively wise. Like Michigan fans will be out there like, huh, you guys lost to like the fifth best team in the SEC. <laughs> So there's 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 some uh, reputation to protect for Ohio State because it's it's already going to be a very big offseason for them coming off another loss to Michigan. And narrative-wise, perception-wise, finishing with a loss to Missouri would not be good. Low-key as well, the recruiting battles off this are, are not zero, right? Mm-hmm. Like Missouri and Ohio State do recruit against each other at times. And 
Like you know, if Missouri beats them, Drinkwitz is going to sell this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of teams right. interested in St. Louis area talent that Mizzou can really sell with yeah. a win over Ohio State here. Oklahoma facing the same thing against Missouri in the Alamo Bowl, where like don't don't lose to Arizona. Brent Venables don't lose to Arizona. No, I just I think this is uh I've got that at five because the Alamo Bowl, first of all, just has a oh, long so maybe, history of yeah. being incredible. And then you put these two teams in there who are both capable of putting up a lot of points. And I think that these are this is a matchup that could live up to the high expectations of an Alamo Bowl. Because even like, okay, Dylan Gabriel's in the portal. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. But if he doesn't, that means Jackson Arnold's going to play. Right. And- <laughs> I, I was thinking Noah Fafita against Jackson Arnold. Yeah. On in like the Alamo Dome, the re- one of the reasons why it's crazy is a lot of these bowl games have got a lot of, you know, wintry elements and mm-hmm. they get to spend like four or five days in San Antonio down by the Riverwalk. I mean, the, the vibes are incredible around the Alamo Bowl. Get to go to the Alamo and stare at an old building. It's just it's incredible. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, like and then also like, you know, Jeff Lebby's left, obviously, but Oklahoma's promoted from in, inside, you know, yeah, like, Seth so the, yeah, the offense isn't really going to be all that different. So Oklahoma is still going to look like Oklahoma and Arizona is going to look like Arizona. So this could be a very fun game. But you got your eyes on it. What uh, wh- which ones stand out? I, I kind of think Iowa State and Memphis. Like I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. expect opt outs there. And I, I look it's a home game for Memphis. Yeah, and I like if you're Memphis, you're gonna be excited to play a Power Five team. That's Memphis won what? They went eight and four, mm-hmm. or nine and three. Nine and three, I think. I mean, like that, that, that's a chance to, if we're correct here, get get to ten wins. If not, nine is still a really nice season. Um, if you're Iowa State. To finish the year on a high note, I don't think either side should have a whole lot of opt outs. You would think that both teams are going to care. It, it that could be a sneaky decent one. I don't know if you guys saw the joke. It was a very very funny joke on Twitter from a, a longtime Iowa fan and writer Patrick Vint who tweeted the Liberty Bowl is a great matchup because Memphis gets to stay at home, and it's sponsored by AutoZone where eighty percent of Iowa State grads work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> That's just good rivalry. And um, oh, yeah, no. Speaking of Iowa, baby, Iowa and Tennessee. You know, we we talked about it. Joe in Milton versus Fat Joe Milton. Pulling my pants in through the rock away. I mean, Joe Milton doesn't play. We get Nico, right? Yes. And like Nico against Iowa's defense. I mean, if if you are Josh Heupel, you're excited about him being tested out there mm-hmm. like all right nico i know that getting off the bus that iowa defense doesn't look like a lot of the defenses that we play in the sec but they're not going to make a lot of mistakes they're going to they're going to make your life hell so good if, if it's if it's joe milton then it's joe milton against fat joe milton if it's uh if it's nico then you know we get to start the next era kind of similar to uh to Oklahoma. I need to see at halftime of the Citrus Bowl, Joe Milton and Deacon Hill do the Dr. Pepper challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but force them to throw with one arm. What, what was, oh, one arm. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. I was thinking about Bud describing throwing. It looked like he was throwing a vase. I, that, that for you were talking about Avion Smith, the Miami quarterback. Like that thought has been living rent free in my head for, I guess, almost 40 hours now. Just, I may have Magadow put that into the open next year. We like, like just Photoshop a base. <laughs> uh, at number 23 in Tom's rankings is the Pop Tarts Bowl between NC Thank State you. and Kansas State. Uh, you know, two, two top 25 teams, uh, two. Very solid programs. An interesting betting angle that we need to find out is whether Dave Doran is a fan of Pop-Tarts because I believe it was NC State Maryland in the Duke's Mayo Bowl when, Mm -hmm. you know, Tom and I had thought during the game, you know, at the end of the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the winning coach gets a, a big old thing of mayo dumped on him. And NC State Maryland were both making very strange coaching decisions. It's like 13 to 10 or something, like a lot of punting from plus territory. And we were like, I don't think either coach wants to win. I think decisions are being made to avoid having Mayo dumped on your head right now. That whatever your contractual bonus is, 
that monetary value is not worth having to sit under some Charlotte Sports Foundation staffers dumping a bucket of shout out to Miller Yoho, as always. Frank Howard, the whole game. Frank K, excuse me, not Frank Howard, the Clemson coach, but go Tigers. Um, it, that is not worth having Mayo dumped on your head on ESPN. So if Dave Doran likes Pop Tarts, then you know what? We, we No adjustment to my NC State rating when I break down this game. If he finds them disgusting, then unfortunately, I have to assume that he may approach it the same way he did the Mayo Bowl, trying not to have to be caught on camera. Come on, eat the mascot, Dave. This is eat the mascot because yes, the Pop Tarts Bowl has an edible mascot. See, that that was last year or that was two years ago. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember this. This was I had NC State in this game. It was like plus three or plus three and a half, and they yeah. just holy cow. Yeah, I, I, the one of yeah. the only explanations I have is that they did not want to win because they did not want to get the Mayo bath. You, you touched on something there, Chip. That is really at the core of like why I've got this game where it is because I had to put it in the middle because I don't know what they mean by edible mascot. <laughs> like, is this going to be a giant pop tart with a human inside of it, or is it just going to be a giant pop tart? Because if it's they a giant, wheel it out and everybody, yeah. gets, like the team and the coach, everybody yeah. supposedly is going to get to like bite it. If it's a giant pop tart with a human inside of it that seems unsanitary if it's just a giant pop tart that's not a mascot it's just a giant pop tart so i need to see what they mean when they when they call it a pop tart mascot i don't i don't know the science behind this yet i will go to this game and report on it for us <laughs> is it in orlando it's in orlando i'll 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 take my son um he loved the cheese it last year like that <laughs> the king Jesus granted, it was lsu purdue, purdue had like 11 players on like, like on their team last year so but that that was the big hit of the lsu purdue game last year what was, was the dancing uh mascot at halftime um Daddy, i big cheese yeah so pop tarts he what wakes was, up feeling cheesy as coach yeah are you are you are you in on pop tarts are the boys in on pop tarts they're definitely in on pop tarts uh Grandma's house has pop tarts for sure. Frequently, um, that was uh, speaking of lunch and fun stuff. Uh, Mags went to go pick up uh, the boys from Grandma's house a couple weeks ago, and she's uh, <clears throat> like, "Mommy, did you know that Grandma has marshmallows for lunch?" And there's just like an open bag of marshmallows in the pantry, and, and just kind of the it's like, mm, "Okay, this could be a fun fun bedtime." Uh, definitely no no crash coming here. Um, Ozzy in the cover three tailgate quote. Why is the mascot screaming? Exactly. Like <laughs> how like, edible is this mascot? That's what I need to know. Are you guys, uh, are you guys pop tarts? I, I, I think pop tarts are good. I grew up. I mean, I grew up eating pop tarts, Yeah, you know, okay. like I, I think they're great. I know that the boys have had a s'mores pop tart. Like when we were on a road trip, picked them up at a gas station, good, good car snack. Um, but I don't, we don't currently have them as a regular rotation in the pantry. Yeah, I don't have Pop Tarts in the house, but I would I'm a big fan of the brown cinnamon or the brown sugar and cinnamon Pop Tarts. That's legit yeah. Pop Tart. Yeah. That was Some of them are a little over the food. top like mm-hmm. dessert-wise, you know. Yes. They can like, they can be too much sugar for my personal tastes. Mm-hmm. You could lie to yourself with the fruit ones if you really like if you're going to buy Pop Tarts. Oh, look at the straw. It's it's, it's got fruit. strawberry in it. It's good for <laughs> you. Uh, Did you guys do toaster strudel? Yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, we don't you I don't have, have those. Again, I don't have them in the house right now, but yeah, I'm not currently eating. Frosted just consists, or my breakfast just consists of coffee these days. Yeah, coffee and grab. I, I just get up and I just get a Fornelli. <laughs> uh, I it, let's see. We got Oregon and Lib. Ooh, Dan Landing says Bo Nix is going to play. Cool. cool. That? Okay. Good. That makes that game less competitive. <laughs> That does, ah, I think Liberty will be fired up to play that thing. Uh, there is a difference. For a quarter. <laughs> it's going to be a hard one to project exactly like. Schedule is noticeable. I was speaking with a former player who was in the Liberty Bowl and not Liberty Bowl, excuse me, that, that played in, in the Fiesta Bowl. And the sense I've gotten is you got to be careful. You know, you got to that whole week. 
Mm-hmm. I think which hotel you're at and how close you are to like what neighborhoods and you know what social sectors <laughs> of uh, you know, Scottsdale, Tempe, you know, yep. you know, a lot of big decisions. We might need to find out which hotels those teams are at to uh, to understand how uh, how those practices are going to look during full week. <laughs> All right, so this is a good ranking, Tom. I think this is what you should do for next week. Let's rank the bowls with the most dis- like. You got to like balance the stakes and the distractions, right. right? Like, do we still have the heart of Dallas Bowl? There's like low stakes, high strip club, right? right yeah, yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. Like, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, because every cause game in teams, Tampa, every game in every, <laughs> the Gasparilla Bowl is yeah. all all these teams. You know, that they land and then the cop comes to talk to them. They get a card. It's like if any you know any trouble comes, like call this number. Like that. Like there are certain bowl games where the understanding is these boys are about to run wild on the town. We're about to let 18 to 22 year olds, um, you know, who've got a lot of, you know, pent up mm-hmm. feelings. I mean, there's one of the, like the best betting angles is just hang out in the casino near the bowl game and figure out like which team is getting wasted the night before. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like Shreveport, Louisiana, they got a casino there. They do. You know, when you're in New Orleans, there's a casino just right down the street from the Marriott where the teams usually stay at. So, you think Myrtle Beach uh, might have some distractions potentially. It, yeah, it depends. Charlotte on is a low distraction, I think. I think so too. Yeah, um, and it's going to be UNC and West Virginia, and so I don't know when West Virginia is going to get there, but like UNC, legit, they won't, but they could just drive every day. Yeah. Like, oh, we got to co- All right, we're going to do the NASCAR day today. All right. Take a two hour bus, go drive NASCAR on the track, get two hour bus back home. But Birmingham is, is pretty low distraction. Oh, Juarez for the Sun Bowl. Trying to get a Juarez order. The Juarez stories are legendary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, across multiple years. Mont- Camellia Bowl, probably low, I would say. In That's, Montgomery. Uh, Mobile. Mobile, yeah. Yeah. Right, that's, no, that's, Billy Bowles, Montgomery. Or oh, sorry, Montgomery, not Mobile. Yeah. Uh, Boise? Are, are there distractions in Boise? There's beautiful scenery in Boise. I don't know. You could be you could be taken aback by it. I don't know if it's a distraction. I think that when you go to New Orleans and Las Vegas, that's almost like too much distraction, right? You're just you're fat. You're factoring in. Yeah, uh, a lot that's going on, like a lot of opportunities, but also coaches are probably a little bit more on you to make sure that you don't get any like real, real trouble. Or they plan around it. Yes, yes, yes. Like it's yeah. it's much more of those those other spots where you just know that there's a good social scene, and maybe they're a little bit less proactive in uh, trying to make sure that you stay out of trouble. Like yeah, if you're in the Vegas Bowl, you're like, hey guys, Thursday yes. is the breathalyzer practice. Okay. Everybody needs to come and like have some sense about you. We cannot still be messed up from the night before for this one. Now, right. This is, listen. Or everybody who passes their iPad test and scores well on like the what's the game plan check this week, it's like an extra <laughs> casino chip. Congrats. You actually read, you, you read it. All right. This is, these are good ideas. Listen. We we know a lot of coaches watch the Cover Three podcast, so Dude. I mean it, we're not saying anything you don't already know, but you know, mm-hmm. just 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 providing some context here. Remember, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't let the Michigan team go on the jet skis, and Jimbo Fisher was like, "More jet skis." And then, right. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. Pro tip: having Dalvin Cook can make your bull prep look really smart. <laughs> Because he just won them the game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, did yeah, he run it, a kick? Was he? Do, he was doing special. He was returning, right? Like, they he was Dalvin Cook, Chip. Dalvin yeah. Cook, the um, the running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was didn't and Michigan didn't have Jabril Peppers, and the broadcast mentioned it seven thousand times. Like, <laughs> Jabril Peppers is a safety. He's a really good safety. Also, a safety. Yeah. Did you doing? guys? Did you guys? Speaking of Jabril Peppers, did you see the video of Jabril Peppers and Saquon Barkley hugging after the uh, Patriots Giants game last week? No. <laughs> Peppers goes up like the Giants won the game. He goes up, hugs Saquon Barkley, and just says, "You're lucky we're ass." <laughs> <laughs> he good. was mic'd up. <laughs> um. No, Tom, you should rank this actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey Tom, I know you did all this work, but next week 
We'll, we'll, we'll do a new bowl rankings that was uh, that is just bowls ranked on- by proximity of strip clubs and casinos. Yes, there we go. Factor it. In. This that's that's chipolytics right there. That's, we'll factor it into the betting angles. If you don't like, Andy does need ideas for graphics this week, so I, I, <laughs> we, we, we can run this in a graphic. If we can't get it on big CBS, sometimes you know, sometimes the cover three social channels are a little. We can, we, we can get a little loose. <laughs> All right. We will be back on Wednesday with even more transfer portal news and, and more from just sort of the general landscape as we continue to work our way towards the postseason. Uh, Thursday, Army, Navy locks. You don't need spoilers to understand what your American duty should be, but you might also have some other angles to the game or, or maybe Benedict Bud is going to take the over. We'll see. You got to tune out, tune in on Thursday to find out. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.